This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by The Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear the motels on the stereo. And so do Mike and I, which is why we started this podcast over two years ago. And things were going okay at first, but then, suddenly, last summer, we were sponsored by The Underground Retrocade, and we've been delighted to tell you about that amazing arcade ever since. So I hope you'll join us as 2014 comes to a close and thanking the underground retrocade for all the support that they've given this podcast they're a big reason why we still get to play and talk about these classic games every week so from the underground retrocade at 121 west main street west dundee illinois and from mike and i here in cyberspace happy new year I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And welcome to a very special Christmas episode of No Quarter, recorded at another time. It's the No Quarter Holiday Special. <laughs> it recorded uh, five minutes after the last episode we recorded. Aired only once in 1978. But a special one. Get it on VHS. Yeah, you have to buy bootlegs on VHS at, at, at uh, science fiction conventions. Because, Why our uh, podcast would be on VHS, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully this will go a little bit better than that show did. I have bought bootlegs at science fiction conventions. I am indeed that guy. Not of not of the holiday Star Wars holiday special, but I have indeed bought VHS bootlegs at actual science fiction conventions. Oh, yeah, I have too. I have a fairly large con- collection of of the complete run of the Wiz Kids from 1983. Oh, and see, that's what I'm talking of, about. The Misfits of Science and things like that. You got to bring that stuff to Manimal. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not minimal, but you got to bring that stuff down to Kansas Fest, and I will bring a means of recording it. Auto Man. Gosh, see, you're just going downhill. <laughs> you had me with kids, and you're just you're doing your best to send <laughs> me away. <laughs> we had a, a a party once, and uh, Ooh, check out this guy with his well, Once, Ooh, yeah, look at me and my friends. With and parties. we were gonna, well, we were gonna watch the entire um, Auto Man <laughs> series end to end, and I think we got like. Three what? or four episodes Why into it, that? and people were booing and throwing stuff at the screen because it was awful. It so is. It, it was truly awful. So bad. This kids, on the other hand, underappreciated. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a classic. Well, if you're a retro computing guy, as I am, then absolutely. I think it gets better with time. That and um, Edison Twins, which was a Canadian thing here, not retro computing oriented, but big fan of, of the Edison Twins. I'll just say, just throw it out there for those who want to seek out a good show. So you got the Edison Twins. Will they have bootlegs of that at, at the convention? <laughs> they will indeed at the Edison Twins conventions. <laughs> I still go. <laughs> yes, twins convention. <laughs> so we have no feedback this week. You know why? Because it's been five minutes since we recorded and nobody <laughs> wrote right. in. I actually did launch my email program thinking maybe we'll get lucky and there will be like email just appears. But no, nobody chose to write at 11.46 a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> And happen to correctly guess the game we're about to talk about. That would have been amazing, though. Even though they wouldn't wouldn't have been able to hear the audio favorite clip. listener ever would have said, "Like judging from what I can tell about you guys, I anticipate <laughs> that your episode will be this." So, will this be our? I guess this is essentially our last episode of the year. I don't. When um, is this coming out? This is coming out between like Christmas and New Year's, I guess. Right? Yeah, so, I, yeah. I think it is. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Or no, this will come out in the new year. No, it's already oh, the new no. year. Happy New Year. 
Wow, crazy! It's it's we're in 2015 already. How did that happen? Look outside. I see jetpacks. The world (laughs) is different. Finally, I knew it was coming. Hoverboards and flying cars. So that's exciting. It is. Or will this come out on the 29th of December? Uh, I don't know. When do you? you, (laughs) Wait, the jetpacks—they're falling from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) They were a week early. Oh, the humanity! Oh, poor jetpack people. You know, I don't know when the heck is this is going to air. I just know that we're recording it in advance because I'm going to have a very busy week. Because check out this guy. He's got family to go to. What? I got family. Got to go to them. And by got you, I mean court order, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm actually looking forward to it. I like the holidays in general. I do. I'm I'm not crazy about the crass commercialism, but... No, I like playing games. I'm a big game player, like a tabletop game player, and my family doesn't really do that much, much to my chagrin. But at the holidays, when we get together and it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas holiday or what have you, when it's that sort of gathering, frequently a board game gets pulled out. So we'll play a tabletop game or two, and I really, really like it. So I look forward to that probably most of all. For me, Christmas is the day, or days really, I'll go up for a couple days, where I go up to my mom's house... And there will be tabletop gaming, and it makes me very happy. Yeah, I, I do enjoy uh, a good tabletop. Uh, we do have a we have a family tradition that my my sister actually and her husband established uh, a while back, and we play Settlers of Catan. Good choice. Uh, a game at which I am awful and terrible, but I have a good time with my family anyway. Mm-hmm. We have a tradition where each of us. Um, buys a new tabletop game. It's like a family gift. It used to be one person did it and then a couple of people did it. And now basically three of us show up and everybody's bringing a tabletop game. My games are almost always the least popular. <laughs> I'll try, I'll buy a game that I think is awesome, but my my taste in tabletop games is a little more obscure than my family, which is much more, you know, straight ahead if I hadn't heard of it. If Milton Bradley wouldn't have published it, we're not interested. But I try every year to push something new on them, and every year I fail. This year, once again, I shall fail. I'm going to be going game shopping. I'm going big game hunting later this weekend. That's going to be my new term. Your family, I think, just needs to subscribe to Will Wheaton's channel and watch his tabletop gaming series. Or play an arcade game. I keep wanting to break out something that's more like arcade-oriented or like one of those old... Like, if it was me, if I was in charge of my family, if I could, like, rule them with my my, uh, my iron iron fist, fist. then I would force my family to play things like those old VHS board games where you put the VHS in. It's like the haunted thing. Like, something like that would be super kitschy fun. I don't have a family that would play that with me, though. But I would like to play that game. Or, like, a board game that's based on a classic arcade game. Like, I would love... Let's all sit down and play Zaxxon, the board game. I think that would be super awesome. My family would be less interested. I I think you should do that, and I think you should record your efforts at trying to get them to play... New podcast. Yes. (laughs) Games my family will not play with me. (laughs) Have a long Oh, wait, Karen didn't leave us alone. So anyway, we have no feedback, and now everybody knows about my family. Yep. (laughs) Welcome to the holiday episode of No Quarter. (laughs) This truly is turning out to be just as bad as a Star Wars holiday. It's truly a magical day. So what what are we talking about this week though? Let's 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 cut to the actual arcade chase baby. Put down the nog and talk to me about an arcade game. We're playing a the the sequel to Atari's popular set to be game. This one is Millipede. Basically, you just tell me what you played and then I'll I'll play along. Oh, sure. Okay. Cuz you have a rep. I have a rep for playing the wrong game. You do it once, I bring it up every time. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like when you type the the wrong spelling into the into your browser address bar once. Yeah, and every every that, that single, wasn't a dirty site I went to. That was totally a mistake. Well, now you type in Apple, but you only spell it with one P, and then every single time you go to Apple after that, that's what pops into your yeah, um, and that's not going anywhere. So we're going to talk about Millipede because I'm just not funny. 
Let's talk about millipede. Well, I'll tell you, speaking of spelling, I have difficulty spelling millipede. I'm always <laughs> unsure of whether it's M-I-L-L-I or M-I-L-L-E. I play Mealborns a lot. It's the French guy in me or something. So, And you think you'd be, I'm Canadian. I'm all about the metric. It's all about the metric. But the, and yet still, I, for some reason, not with milli anything else, millimeter, no problem. But specifically, for some reason, with millipede, because there's all those E's coming later, um, I just bring the E's forward and I have difficult spelling this. Occasionally, I spell it with both an I and an E. <laughs> I can't just throw both in there, and then it's necessarily wrong. But yes, 1982 Atari game somehow spelled millipede. <laughs> uh, similar to to the original centipede, you play an archer, and and uh, you, you you control your your archer with a the MIDI trackball and the fire button, and you move across a, the bottom. I think it's like the bottom twenty percent of the screen or so. And you're shooting up into a field of, of mushrooms and flowers and DDT bombs. And as you're doing so, the millipedes are weaving their way down towards you and you have to destroy them. Uh, there are spiders and other bonus monsters, I guess, if you want to call them that, that come after you uh, during each wave. And this game is crazy hard. Mm-hmm. It's crazy basically difficult. like centipede, but more i mean more enemies right. more stuff on screen more ways to score it's just you know centipede ramped up i guess because you know arcade owners and arcade players all wanted like more of a challenge i don't know who wants more of a challenge than centipede centipede is like impossibly hard to play um but if you you know get bored at that then here comes millipede you you talk about the um the the enemies i happen to have a list of the enemies in front of me my show notes <laughs> include that that's the, the level i went to this I, week. The highlight of your show notes is... It's basically, yes. That's So I want to read them because that's basically what I got this week. Well, why don't you go ahead? So there's the dragonfly. And the dragonfly is the one that drops the mushrooms and basically moves kind of randomly. One shot to kill it. Those are my notes. Then I've got notes on the bee. So the bee comes straight down at you and drops mushrooms. And it takes two, count them, two shots to kill with your little arrows. Because you're, like you say, a tiny little archer fighting. In I don't really understand the metaphor of this game at all, but whatever. No. Um, then there's the spider, which is basically just like the centipede spider. Uh, it bounces around and it eats up mushrooms. Then there's the earwig, yuck, one of my least favorite insects. Um, it turns the mushrooms poisonous so uh, that when the... When the millipede hits them, it comes straight down at you, which is basically the same role that the scorpion has in centipede. So there's the uh, inchworm. So when you shoot it, all the enemies slow down for a time. So the inchworm is basically, I don't know, there's some drug stuff happening here, but whatever. So all the enemies slow down. There's the mosquito, which moves diagonally, and it bounces off the edge of the screen. And when you shoot it, the whole screen scrolls up a bit uh, so it's a really odd uh, enemy and just like makes everything go a little bonkers there's the beetle which it crawls down into the area where the player is at that bottom 20 percent you were talking about and then it moves up the screen and any mushroom it touches becomes an indestructible mushroom and um, when you shoot the beetle then the whole screen scrolls down a bit so it's kind of the opposite of the mosquito in that sense so a lot of times you're playing this game the screen screen goes up screen goes down screen goes up screen goes down and i'm just like freaking out and then like you mentioned there's also the ddt bombs there can be up to four of those on a screen at once and it uh, when you shoot it, it will blow up and it takes out enemies and mushrooms within sort of a blast radius. So I try to think, okay, this is bomb and I'll, and I'll save it for later. But then as the game gets more, you know, swarmy, um, I finally just give up and just start shooting. And every once in a while, randomly, DDT bombs go off. And I, I just, the game's too fast for me to use strategies. I'm old. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the message there is I'm old. Yeah, this this game definitely is, it's really, really fast. And, and, 
as we talked about last week with or a few minutes ago with punch out uh, as weird as it sounds the game you you'll definitely get further into this if you understand how the enemies are moving and what you're shooting at and how um and what's going to happen like when you hit the ddt bomb or or when the millipede gets to the bottom of the screen uh and so it's yeah i i, I don't know i i have a hard time i it's a game that gets my adrenaline up when I play it. And even kind of when I think about it, uh, I, I like it a lot, but it's, man, it's tough. I, I do not do well in Millipede. Yeah, even more than Centipede, I find that, like you, my heart will get going. Like, it's such a frantic sort of game. But this happens in Centipede, but I find it happens more in Millipede because there's, like, more on screen. There's more going on. I get sort of more and more myopic. And I stop taking into account the entire screen. And I start focusing on just, you know, my little archer and an area right around my archer. And I'm just focused on that. And I think it's a it's clearly a bad way to play. But I stop dealing with the top part of the screen. And just, you know, I'm shooting things. And my, my arrows will go up there. And they'll, you know, sometimes hit stuff. And hey, that's awesome. But for the most part, I'm just getting more and more focused on, okay, where's the spider? And what mushrooms can I shoot right in front of me? Um, and I think it's just a game that starts to just overwhelm me. Like, there's so much going on. And I find that with Centipede. And so here, it just ramps it up. And it ramps up to an, an all, like a level that I think is, to me, taking it like a bit too far. I find Centipede is enough of an overwhelming game. It is <laughs> m- more than enough challenge for me to keep coming back. And I, and I didn't personally need more enemies, more on screen, faster, you know, just more, more, more. Uh, I think it takes it a little too far, to be honest. So I dig it. I, and if Centipede didn't exist, I would like Millipede. But because Centipede does exist, I kind of, I'm more of a fan of the original, I'd say, than, than this sequel. That makes sense. Um, this game is originally called Centipede Deluxe, uh, and the main info file that I'm reading from here has a list of of some of the differences between this and, and the changes that they made uh, when they came out with Millipede from the original Centipede. So here are a few of them. Uh, instead of Centipede, had you had uh, in Centipede you had the Centipede itself and three main enemies, but now you have seven enemies, as you outlined, Carrington. I can um, read them to you again if you'd like. <laughs> that's okay. Um, in, in addition to the bee dropping mushrooms, the dragonfly also drops them. The, the difference between these two enemies is that the bee goes in a straight line from top to the bottom. The dragonfly zigzags across the screen. Across the screen. Uh, beetles turn mushrooms into flowers, which can only be destroyed with DDT bombs or by spiders. Uh, on some screens, some mushrooms will disappear while others will grow in random places. Oh, I didn't um, notice that. Yep. Uh, the screen advances down one level after each round is complete or for each beetle that is hit. This will reveal other things when a new top level is revealed. Hitting a mosquito causes the, the, the screen to advance up by one level. Uh, different events are based on how many segments the millipede starts with. Um, the DDT bombs have been added to take, help you take out large areas of bugs, flowers, and mushrooms. Uh, a new bonus setting has been implemented. This works depending on which, how the machine is set. Um, for gaining uh for gaining bonus archers uh, once you cross the threshold multiple uh the score you can start a new game from that score minus the original bonus score uh the score tops out at 300,000 points you have 30 seconds after your game ends to choose to do this and it works like this the maximum level a player can start at is one level lower than the last free archer they received so if you receive a free archer at 20,000 points um you, 
you receive a free archer 20,000 points. If you achieve a score of 50,000 points, then the last free archer you receive will be at 40,000 points. Going one level lower, you can either start with a bonus of zero or 20,000 points. Uh, works the same for free archers awarded at 12,000 or 15,000 points. So there's like crazy rules going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the player will be allowed to start a new game uh, at a bonus level, depending on what the machine settings are. The bonus will either be 0, 1, 2, or 3 times whatever the score is required for a free archer. Uh, for example, 0, 12,000, 24,000, or 36,000. And you have 10 seconds to make that decision. Um, there are uh, a lot more score-dependent settings in, in the game. And, and I mean, we could, I could probably go on for hours and hours just trying to lay that out. But uh, the millipede, some of the other differences are that, that the millipede cycles back and forth with a head ratio, a head to body ratio, uh, instead of just having heads like the, the centipede does. And uh, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in here. And, and everything that I've read about it is that, that if you take time and, and really kind of get into it, it just benefits your gameplay long term. It uh, didn't help me, but I kind of suck at these anyway. But I think it turns it into a game that is <clears throat> that is good for collectors in a sense because it will reward somebody who wants to dive deep into the game and its rules and the 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 minute elements of the mechanics. So I think it is a game, maybe even more so than Centipede, that will reward the collector, reward the owner, or reward the the arcade player goes to an arcade, frequents it, and keeps wanting to come back. So that's the kind of thing that kept the quarters flowing. So it was Atari being aware of that and catering to its market, catering to its buyers, the, the arcade owners, to try to make something that would be popular and, again, keep the quarters coming. There's something also that you can do that's, again... <laughs> At the 300,000 mark, so this is what I read about. But at 300,000 <laughs> points, you can choose to sacrifice your saved up extra player. So as you play, you, you keep getting free men, free guys, free archers. I guess they could be women, free archers. And at 300,000 points, you're given the choice of saying, do you want to kill all your extra extra archers and drop you back down to three? So why would one want to do this? Well, three archers... at having those in total is just like the start of the game. And what this does is also reset the difficulty of the game. So it's back like the beginning. So a really good player going for that high score, you finally work your way up to three out of a thousand. You've got seven archers in reserve. You sacrifice a bunch of them. You're now down to having only three players, but it's like you've started a brand new game at a brand new difficulty. Everything calms down a bit. But you're starting at 300,000. And I think this, you get to do the same thing again at something like 600,000, 700,000, something like that. So the players who are going for those big scores, the over a million score, clearly this would be something you'd want to do. Because at the 300,000 point and then at six or so, you can take that bit of a breather and go back to what I consider still a very difficult game, like the way this starts <laughs> off. But no doubt is vastly easier than it would have ramped up to by the time you hit 300,000. Yeah, I, I really like what you said about this. Yeah, thing. it was well put too. <laughs> it oh, was. Yeah, with dulcet no, tones. I'm... Dulcet. Are you done? <laughs> but wouldn't you like to hear me say it again? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so tell me, what to... you, tell me what you liked. I was trying to I pay said. you a compliment, sir. I, I will never do it again because it, it makes you uncomfortable and then you get like this. It makes me very comfortable. <laughs> it makes me <laughs> no, surprisingly I, comfortable. <laughs> I, I like the point that you made that this is a game that will reward you if you want to dive deep into it. It's very, you know, if you want to immerse yourself in Millipede, there's a lot to learn and, and play uh, um, and and see with this game. You know, for, and just 
for example, the millipede for it starts out, you know, with a head with eleven body segments in the first wave. Uh, wave two is a head with ten body segments that enter from the opposite side. Wave three is a head with nine bod- body segments. Uh, I, I mean, say, the things you're saying are weird words. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's all this. It's such a strange game. Uh, any mushroom with fewer than two neighbors dies. Uh, uh, any mushroom with more than three neighbors dies. So it's sort of like any the game of with, life. Any mushroom with two or three neighbors lives unchanged to the next screen. Any empty space with exactly three mushrooms neighbors comes to life. Any mushroom ad- adjacent to a DDT bomb becomes poisoned. Any non-poison mushroom adjacent to a poison mushroom dies. These are just like this is what happens when you go from level to level to the mushrooms. Um, so yeah, a deep, crazy, wild game. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I suck at it, but I really like it. You used the phrase immersed in millipede, which just seems like a terrible image to say <laughs> Like this also game that when you're, when I'm looking for stuff to say it and, and Googling it for the show notes, you got to make sure you include the word arcade. Cause if you just Google millipede, it's mostly just images. I don't want to see. <laughs> you're going to get insects. It's a very difficult game to research. Creepy nightmarish insects. <laughs> absolutely. It is absolutely nightmarish insects. Ugh. I don't even really have a problem with insects, but once you get to that many legs, it's just like, come on, you're doing it on purpose. Now you're just trying to creep me out. <laughs> like, yuck. Yuck. I say yuck. We should um, talk but- about the, uh, the raids. The raids yeah, are let's happened. talk about the raids. What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, after you clear certain uh, attack waves where where the, the millipede comes down and you shoot up, um, these the bugs start just flying down the screen. And, oh, was that and called a raid? I can think of it. Raids. I called it a swarm. But yeah, it's it's a real pain is what it is. Well, and, and those vary by level. So after the second wave, you get a bee raid. After the sixth wave, you get the, the dragonflies. After eight, you get the mosquitoes. After the 10th wave, you get bees and dragonflies. Uh, and after the 12th wave, you get bees, dragonflies, and mosquitoes. Now, the only good thing about the, the, the raids, raids, okay, I kept thinking swarms. But the only good thing about the, the raids is that each enemy you shoot during it goes up in points. So you can get up to 1,000 points per enemy you shoot. Um, because and the whole point is to try to shoot as many as you can because it's a real way to grab major scores. But for the most part, I just cower off to the side because <laughs> they just come <laughs> down and, 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 and like a, as, a, as a big, you know, it's, it's like a, a, well, again, a swarm. It's a big, and, they're, and they're all in, in, like they kind of move together down the screen. And it's, it's very intimidating, to be honest. <laughs> I don't like it. Get a lot, big scoring opportunity, though. If you do uh, happen to survive a raid without dying, you get a, a up to thirty thousand points later in the game. Uh, basically, uh, you want to shoot as many bugs as you can, which makes sense, and and don't waste time clearing the mushrooms until after a raid is over. And, and yeah, I I should point out here that one of the biggest problems that I had for starting this game was was letting the mushrooms build up in that lower area because they you can't move around the mushroom you can't move through the mushrooms and and they can become a real obstacle when uh when the the millipede's getting closer and and you need to to move quickly out of the way so when you're so you should take every opportunity that you can to make sure that that bottom area is completely clear of mushrooms I will make sure that I do that yes Yet I failed to do that. <laughs> tough game, man. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know where I was going with that, that long speech there. but um, I liked it, though. I liked the bit where you said you really liked something I had said. We, can we go back to that part of the, the episode? Um, I don't remember that. <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> and now, here to start the action is the fastest mouth in the West, the real Don Steele. Thank you, Bobby. Are the players ready? All right. 
for the World Championship of Millipede. Three, two, one, shoot! There's the millipede sneaking down the screen to the archer our players control. The parts of it you hit become mushrooms, the rest keeps coming. The mushroom field scrolls down one level with each new millipede, and there's seven other insects to watch out for. Our players must instantly distinguish between the behavior patterns of all eight bugs. The earwig turns the mushrooms poisonous, which sends the millipede spiraling down the screen. The beetles change mushrooms into flowers that stop the shots cold. The inchworm slows down the game action. The bees, mosquitoes, and dragonflies are bombers. Any one of these insects will destroy the archer on contact. Each player starts with three archers and earns more as he reaches certain point totals. These players are so good that their play is routine until about the 300,000 point level. While we wait for them to get there, let's go find Bobby! So we should talk about the cabinet, because I really like this cabinet. Yeah, tell me about the cabinet. It's fantastic looking. It's just fantastic looking. I mean, it's similar to the centipede cabinet, and it's just as gorgeous. I like both these cabs a lot. So the millipede cabinet has full-length side art of a huge red and yellow millipede, which would normally be kind of disgusting. Again, fear Google. But it's cartoony enough that it's just, it's just cool. And... On the art, it's towering over um, this little archer with his, with his bow and arrows. Um, and it's got lots of flowery frills around the edge. And it's got a great use of front panel art, too, all the way down by the kick plate area. So it's a lovely cabinet. The control panel is blue with a green vine art design down below and a, and a yellow border all the way around it. It's got a very, very simple control panel, again, just like Centipede. Like you mentioned, the trackball. It's one of those iconic trackball games when you think Millipede or Centipede or what have you, you think trackball. Uh, it's got a fire button on the left, and there's also uh, two player start buttons on the extreme left and a little instruction and point value grid on the control panel as well. Uh, the main thing that jumps out for me, though, in addition to the beautiful art, is the nice speaker arrangement. So they're up above the monitor, and it looks like a big butterfly, basically. These these two gorgeous big speakers with the Atari logo in the middle. It looks like a huge butterfly. It's this huge pair of speakers uh, facing the player. It's got And it's got the great look of stereo audio, even though it's a, the game is in mono. <laughs> so, But it looks like a beautiful stereo game, even though it's not. But it's still a great look. Um, and then up on the very top is the marquee, which has the Millipede logo, plus the same Archer and big red yellow Millipede on the sides. It's a very sharp-looking cabinet. I mean, it's totally a classic. It, it's just gorgeous. Um, now, what wasn't a classic was the actual monitor. It's garbage. Uh, I think it's the same <laughs> monitor that was in the pole position, and it's one of those notoriously suicidal monitors. Honestly, it's better if you get one of these. In my opinion, you just chuck it out and replace it with something better. <gasps> gasp! Gasp! <laughs> Send your hate mail to me, but it's a terrible monitor. It will not survive, and it will burn down your house. Now, I'm like, I'm just <laughs> terrible. So, um, I just, I, 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 I know that somebody's going to, Somebody's going to say that I have now a reputation as just wanting to chop up all the cabinets, but it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying It'll this be me. I'll be monitor, the one saying that. No. This particular monitor, no good. Now, there was also a cocktail cabinet, which is a little more plain, the way cocktail cabinets usually are, poor cocktail cabinets. Um, but it does have nice teal blue graphic on the top, which matches the control panel. And since, like most cocktail cabinets, it's set up for alternating two-player games, there's an instruction label with a grid on both sides of the cab, and the blue graphics look really nice against the fake wood grain veneer and i gotta say in in real life 
I'm not really a big fan of fake wood, but when it comes to arcade cabinets, I really do love the look of fake wood veneer. <laughs> just, I, I just, I think it's like the faker the wood, the more authentic the cabinet. <laughs> it's just that nothing says late. 70s early 80s like wood grain veneer <laughs> i just love it <laughs> so um uh mike's arcade.com which we've mentioned a few times there's a really nice cocktail cabinet restoration right up there um so i'll, I'll link to that in the show notes it's really really nice um and then other things, I guess, that are sort of related to cabinet kits and things worth mentioning. There's a centipede slash millipede multi-game kit that's produced by Braze Technologies. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So um, it's they, they call it the Multipede. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, so it's an arcade millipede board. It's the millipede board. With so that it, and it's designed so it can play both centipede and millipede on a single PCB set. Um, so it lets you play both of them on a millipede cab. You can't do this to a centipede cabinet. So this is a PCB set you got to add to a multipede cab, and that's really because um, instead of the 256 colors that millipede has, centipede only could do 16 colors. Well, really 14 because like two of them are duplicated. But because of that, you can't really make centipede play millipede. But you can go the other way. So if you've got a millipede board, you can use this multipede, great name, to um, play them both. Alternatively, there's uh, PCB cabinet adapters that let you uh, use a millipede C, uh, PCB inside a centipede cabinet or vice versa. So, And that would let you use a millipede PCB in either cab too. So you could do that. It's like 35 bucks. Um, and that's over at arcadeshop.com. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So there's lots of ways to get one of these cabinets to play both of the game. So it's really, uh, since both cabinets are beautiful, um, my opinion, I, I prefer the centipede cab. So I would go that way, then use the PCB adapter to stick a millipede a PCB in there and then use the multipede to turn back on centipede. <laughs> so that's what I would do, but that's like, you know, adapters and adapters, but I think that's the way to go. Uh, Mike's arcade also has um, the um, a millipede PCB repair and swap service. So if you get one of these oh, boards neat. and you have some difficulty, that's a current thing. So you can send it there repair your board or you can swap like a broken board for a good one for a for a fee so really so it's a popular enough game that the services like that exist to keep your game up and running very cool now this pcb speaking of which had an earom chip or circuit so e-a-r-o-m electronically alterable read-only memory um that's what was used for saving the high scores and settings on like a bunch of arcade games basically it's a technological dead end it's it's an also ran chip i mean i think of that kind of thing as you know eproms or eeproms of course and that what is what beat out this erom for popularity and then later that was beaten itself by by flash memory anyway the weird thing about erom chips or erom chips um is that they need weird write voltage and at first i was like i've got to be reading this wrong but you write to it with minus 29 volts so it's a weird thing like most most power supplies are not going to be able to supply that so if you replace the power supply in one of these cabs and don't have all the voltages available you basically can't save the high scores and that's wow. like uh, that problem is going to pop up if you've used like a JAMA adapter or whatever. So the solution, there is a solution I looked up, is to use an EROM replacement board. It's basically just a pin remapper. So you can plug a st totally standard off-the-shelf um, EEPROM um, into this board and then plug that board onto the PCB. And then you can use standard you know, EEPROMs instead of these weird EROMs. And you don't need to do the special voltage. So how cool is that? And it's currently available from uh, JROK, JROK.com for 15 bucks. 
And, or you can actually buy those original EROM things, which are four ninety five. There's a, I found a, a site called ArcadeChips.com. So if you're ever looking for, like, I need this particular chip, there's actually a source for them, and it's actually really cheap. So ArcadeChips.com, have that link in the show notes. But to me, it seems, why stick with that? Because the power supply is something you're going to want to replace anyway, and then you won't have that weird voltage. So instead, use this pin remapper, and you're good to go. So lots of ways to get, like, one of the millipede into centipede or centipede into millipede and keep your scores going and it's a there's a really active fan base for these games so there's lots of little adapters and and notes and things around currently to keep them running so if you're a collector either centipede or millipede offer games where other than the exploding monitors that i think you should chuck them onto this one and get a new one i'm just saying just saying how dare um, you <laughs> just saying. uh but other than doing that like there's lots of ways to keep the rest of it up and going and it's exciting that a game that this old is still you know so popular that there's all these little things so if you're thinking of getting a game and one of the like a cabinet at home and one of the things that's turned you off is the worry oh what if it goes wrong like i don't want to have to fix this what what can i do Millipede would actually be a great choice because it's a fun game. It's a classic game with these board adapters that would let you have two games in one. And there's a thriving community of of fixers and services and board swap things and chip adapters that can make like like a non-electronics engineer um, be, enable you to keep it up and going if you have problems. So I would recommend this as, as a collectible first cab for people. That said, it's not a cab I would like because I prefer Centipede. And honestly, I'm not that into either of these games. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, it looks like the Millipede was also available as a conversion kit for Kangaroo, Dig Dug, and Arabian Cabinets. Really? That's weird. Yeah. yeah. And it was released it in must November have come with 19... a whole other um, control panel, though, because they're not – those aren't trackball games. Hmm. Uh, well, I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, 8,690 uprights were produced. 1,300 cocktails were made. It was released in November of 1982. Features a uh, Motorola S6502 at 1.512 megahertz and two Pokey sound chips at 1.512 megahertz as well. Also good chips. Uh, yep. And the trackball is actually, it's larger than the one that, that was used in Centipede, but smaller than the one that was used in Missile Command. Oh, I did not know they came in different sizes. I know that I've played some Missile Command machines, and maybe it was the um, cabarets or whatever, where it would be a much smaller trackball, and I don't like it at all. So <laughs> I think these games, the bigger the trackball, the better I play on them. So um, hooray for that. But I didn't, I didn't realize that Centipede, Missile Command, and Millipede were using different trackball sizes. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to see they're, all this. They're good. Yeah. Atari made really good trackballs. Like one of the things that this game and other games of the era had, this MIDI track. TRAK ball thing that they did, they were bang on with it. Like, it's a really nicely implemented trackball. You play this in a real cabinet, and it's just like such a great one to one relationship between moving your, your archer on screen and the motions of the trackball, which are so vitally important to playing the game well that uh, it just like it would be a completely different experience with a, with a bad one. But this is a game where, if you want the real experience, I like the trackball I use, I don't think is quite as good. Thus, my score. That's going to be my excuse this week. Ta ha! But um, <laughs> Atari, that's one thing that they, they got right. They got their trackballs right, and they're really well done. I, I agree. Um, and it's nice that because these were such popular games back then and there are people, there's, like you said, there's this great community around it. It's, it's easy still to get replacement parts and, and fixes and, and all the upgrades that you described. So you can definitely get into it and, and keep your game alive for a long time to come. Uh, we've talked in the past about Atari's uh, 
They, they released 12 pinball tables of, uh, which were pinball adaptations of their popular arcade games. Um, and, and Millipede was one of them as along with Missile Command, Battlezone, Tempest, Asteroid Deluxe, Space Duel, Centipede, Gravatar, Dig Dug, Kangaroo, Xevious, and Food Fight. Gravatar would make a great pinball. It could be like the gravity keeps changing, things moving around. You gotta like <laughs> reverse your flipper controls. <laughs> be like a messed up pinball game. Uh, and and so that's that's about. I mean, if you've played Centipede, you you know this this game will uh, Millipede will be obvious and easy to pick up. But I think it's quite a bit harder. I personally um, enjoy. I like these games a lot. Apparently, a lot more than you do. Um, I'm terrible at them, but I keep coming back because I like them. Yeah, I, you know, I like them too, but I I will never play it. The reality is, if if I'm in an arcade, there is essentially no chance I'm going to play Centipede or Millipede. I just oh, don't really? like them as much. Yeah, there's there's so many other games that I enjoy that if I'm at a place that only has these games, I'll play them. If I if or if the choice is between this game and let's pick on Bubbles again, there's this game and Bubbles. <laughs> I'm going to play Millipede or Centipede or what have you. But the reality is I don't dig them. I don't know what it is. They overwhelm me a bit or something. I don't enjoy the gameplay enough. So I like, I like them. Like it's, I don't think, I think it's, it's me, not you. I'm sorry, Centipede, it's me, <laughs> not you. Uh, but there's like something about them. They're just, they're just not my games. And so I, sure. I, yeah. I dig them. I understand why people would like them. And I, I think the cabinets are gorgeous and I like them. From a mechanical standpoint, I like the speakers. I like the control panel. I like the trackball. I just don't enjoy playing the game. <laughs> uh, it was designed and programmed by Ed Log. And if you uh, boot your cabinet up into test mode, there's an Easter egg that displays his name. Oh, nice. Um, and Dave well, Snyder. I think his initials are in the high score. There's an ED is one of the default high score initials. There yeah, there's, there's, um, cool. yeah, there's, there's actually a few of them. So, uh, FXL is Frank, uh, Franz Len, Lenzinger. Uh, MEC is Mark Cerny. Uh, DUG is Doug Snyder. DCB is Donna Bailey. And there are a couple of others, DEW, DFW, and, and, uh, BBM that are not defined. Cool. Um, so. So this yeah. wasn't made by the gal who made Centipede, which we talked about. It doesn't it was like look one like of those games no. where, like, you know, a lady made it. So. Yeah, no, but doesn't guy doesn't came in like and ripped off and said, "Oh, that's fine, little lady. Let me show you how it's <laughs> Stole done." Stole her work, and yeah, that's Us what we do, boys. We do. Thank God we're best at everything. Or that would are get you best, annoying. Are you better? Are you better than me at, at, at millipede? <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to say probably no. Um, now, here's the thing: millipede is supposed, I think, supposed to be a higher scoring game than centipede it's a harder game but there's so many more ways to score that in general people will say i think wasn't it that like if you can get a hundred thousand on centipede you can get two hundred thousand millipede maybe i've got those backwards because millipede is definitely the higher game anyway i looked it up and my centipede score destroyed your centipede score and for centipede i got like eighty nine thousand and something i have no idea how i got a score that high because i played this week on millipede and <laughs> Not a chance. One thing I will say, it's my Christmas gift to the people who go to the Underground Retrocade. Free pops on me, baby, because if you've got to beat the score to get a free pop, I am just giving them out this week because, oh my gosh, my score was 32,284. Oh, wow. So basically a third or something. Of what I, like I just, and honestly, I played it a bunch and that's the best I could do. This game wiped the floor with me. Um, so how'd you do, Mike? Can you beat 32,284? 
Well, Carrington, I, I know you're going to be sad to hear this, that I that I beat you twice in a row. But, what a uh, shocker. Yes, yes, I did beat you at this game. I, I got 338,290 points. <laughs> oh, my God. And just for the record, folks, because I looked up our scores, on Centipede, Mike got 18,165, <laughs> and he gets 338,290 in, in Millipede. That's crazy. 338. So no pops because of Mike. Mike took away your Christmas. <laughs> Blame me. Send, send me the hate mail. Oh, I, I, I I like this game. I do. I have a, had a fun time playing it. Um, no, do, okay. Will, so do you prefer this to Centipede? Which if you had to have had to, if you got to have one of the two, which would you pick? I think it's I think it's Millipede. I, I find it a more again. This is creepy, but Millipede is a more immersive experience for me than than Centipede. There's there's a, a deeper um, there's there's a depth to this that Centipede just didn't have so it feels like kind of a natural um, evolution of of the of the game design and and the gameplay and i think it worked out really well they put obviously they put a lot of love and attention um into the details and getting everything right because for all of the the weird rules and stuff that i just barely scratched the surface of when i was reading earlier um it all comes together very well it never feels like you know what there's this weird thing happening and I don't understand why or um, <laughs> really because or... I got that feeling a lot when I play this game. <laughs> like, that's exactly how I feel most of the time playing this game. Uh, the the rules of, of the millipede universe, I guess, um, are deep and many, but they they fit well together and they it, uh, the gameplay sticks to it and and I like it. In my not, show notes, I, a... I divide up sections every week for my show notes. So I've got like the general section about the game and the game history. I've got stuff about ports and sequels. I've got my section on the cabinets. And then I'll also have a, a section on scores. And then I have a summary section where I talk about like in general to sort of remind me of the game. What's my overall review? And I'll try to work that in. And in this game, in addition to saying be very careful when you Google it, I was mostly – I find the game – I try to summarize like in one word what I think of this game. For me, it's just overwhelming. I find the game overwhelming. And I, and I was – overwhelmed by centipede and having 10 times as many legs it just it's going from centi to to milli is too much i want to go the other way i want like decapede or really just peed i would like to play peed where it's just me and the archer and like one floating centipede head and i just that's it get rid of my just peed i need it just it's too hard for me i am too slow and the game is too hard i find these games overwhelming decapede at most maybe do duo decapede but that's as many peds as i can offer the game is too hard for me Oh, okay. We should talk about high scores, though. Really cool thing about the overall high score. Your score is good and cute and all compared to Donald Hayes. <laughs> In 2004, Donald Hayes got 10,627,331 points playing Millipede. That, again, it was just after Christmas. It was December 26th, 2004. So we're coming up to a, or just, just past an anniversary according to the publication of this, of this whole report at one time, publishing others messing me up. Um, so neat thing though, Donald Hayes also released a one and two disc set of DVDs documenting his high score. <laughs> so pretty cool. He also has a world record under the tournament settings. I guess there's two ways to play this and in tournament settings. He's also the world record holder of that at 6,995,962. So Donald Hayes is the guy to talk to you about whether this has enough peds or not. And he's no luck looking for gigapede <laughs> to get more of a challenge. Needs more peds. That's crazy. I like to say peed. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Remember though, don't if you're going to do if you're going to to Google search this, uh, yeah, definitely put arcade in there because you will have nightmares. 
Yep, nightmares. Nightmares. I dug it, though. Like, overall, because the game was kind of forced on me the way Centipede was, I did enjoy playing it for this week's show. Like, it is it is a classic. I totally acknowledge that. It's just not my game. And the reality is, it's one of the few games where I can play it, acknowledge that it's a classic, but it does not go into my main favorites file. I will not come back to it. I've got a trackball. I've got a trackball for other games. <laughs> Rampart is a game to have a trackball for. This game is just, it exists. I acknowledge it. I get that other people like it. I think the cabinet's beautiful, but it's not my game. I think in my my on, my on ever-growing and ongoing list of, of top top five arcade games, this is probably number, let's say, number seven or eight. And if I continue playing it, we'll probably creep up the list a little bit. So it's number seven on your growing list of top five games. So you're saying that this is not one of your favorite games. It's hard to parse what you say, Mr. McGinnis. Too many, too many legs, <laughs> legs everywhere. Too much minis, multis, multipedes. I will, I will be the first to admit that I, it's rare that I, I make sense for very long. <laughs> well, it's lucky that we made it through, through this episode, though. Most mostly, I understood you, especially that bit where you where you liked the thing that I had said. I think we should keep coming, keep coming back to that. <laughs> is that was that what the next week's that, show will be? Is just the message of the show? Me me acknowledging Carrington's awesomeness. I hope so. Um, if that was like a game, what would that game sound like? <laughs> well, I don't know what that that one sounds like, but the game we're going to play next week sounds like this. Oh goodness! Well, thank you, everyone, and um, no, no, thank if, you. And if this is if this does indeed get published in the new year, then happy new year. And, and if it doesn't, then then I'm pretty a, sure it's the this is the last episode of the year. I think this will come out the 29th of okay. December. Okay. I think. I don't know. You know, <laughs> regardless, happy New Year and or almost New Year. What he said. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. you said about this yeah it was well put too (laughs) it was yeah with dulcet tones dulcet